I made it. Y'all, y'all were going to do that. We wait five minutes for the professor and then get to skip class. I know how, I know y'all already set your timers. We've been talking about, starting last week, um, what are those books we miss? Sometimes we miss certain books. Last year we looked at Titus, we looked at Ecclesiastes. Maybe we don't go to those books enough. What about Jude? How long has it been since you've read the book of Jude? Maybe some of them deal with subjects we're not so sure about, or maybe they're just a little bit, whatever it might be, we can miss them. And we miss the whole counsel of God. It's easy. It's easy to miss things. It's easy to miss if there are two players with the number four on the field. It's, uh, no, sorry. Got to get that out of my head. Got to get that out of my head. You can miss things. And I don't, I don't want us to miss it. So we're going to go through the book of Numbers today, and maybe when you start looking at the census taking those first three, four chapters, you put this book down, counting all these people, but this is the holy word of God, and we sure don't uh, want to miss that. There's so much here about who God is and what he will do in and through us, so we don't want to miss it. Several of you have been through Bible studies in our women's uh, ministry with Jessica Legrome. She's dean of the chapel at Asbury Seminary. Wonderful author, wonderful person. She's actually, I heard her speak a couple of years ago at the New Room Conference, which is happening this week. And she was talking about being in a doctor's office and waiting for a long season in, in that office and then realizing she had, she had left her phone back at work, so she didn't have her phone on her. I see several of you tearing up. What would it be like to wait for two hours in an office with no phone, right? So she said, well, I'll go out to my book. I've been wanting to catch up on my devotionals. Uh, I'll just go out to my car and, and get that. So she went out to her car, and she didn't have any of her devotionals. Matter of fact, she didn't have her study Bible. And by the way, devotionals are great. Study Bibles are great. They're a huge help. Said, all I had was my old Bible, just Bible. No introduction to anything, just the Bible. And she said, I sat in that office and read and read and read. And she said, I just, I realized in that moment how much I was receiving and looking to receive from others, which is important. Don't miss me. But God's speaking through this word. And I've been seeking others more than I've been, I've been seeking him. God has spoken and again, devotionals are important. Oswald Chambers, yes, wonderful. But he's, he's not my highest. My utmost is for my highest. So whether it's Keller or Lucado or Young, devotionals may be wonderful. But she was saying, I don't want to miss the word. Numbers is God's revelation to us. And he has spoken through this word so many things and we don't want to miss it. So let's uh, share in this uh, together. And, and as, as we're looking at this, just some background. You kind of have those four chapters there at Mount Sinai to begin it. You've kind of got some number counting at the very beginning and at the close. But even though the book is called Numbers, that's not actually the Hebrew title for this book. It's actually in the desert. Because most of this book is what happens in the middle. It's 38 plus years of wandering 
in the desert. That's what mostly this book is about, when they are in the desert. And, and what happens during that time? What does God do and what do they do in that in-between time, waiting to go into the promised land? You know, you have every preacher has, has preached this, that, that when you look at a, a tombstone, there's a, a date and then a dash and then, and then a death date, right? And every preacher talks about that dash. And the question becomes, what did you do with your time? What did you do with that dash? Well, I, I got a really serious life lesson about that when, when we went to McGee United Methodist Church. Now, this church doesn't have it, but many churches have what they call, they say it's a wall of fame, but I know it's called the wall of shame when preachers aren't around because it has the preacher from 1910 and, you know, either just paintings of them or, and it's a whole wall dedicated to their senior pastors or their senior pastors and associate pastors, and it'll have on an engraved plate at the bottom of the picture, year they started, a dash, and the year that they finished. I don't think they'd ever done this before. And McGee was my first pastorate, so maybe they were a little bit nervous. I don't know. But when I went to that church, when I arrived, they already had my picture up on the wall of shame. They had 2004 dash. And I'm in the back of my mind thinking, this, this is a statement. It would take us all of 30 seconds to engrave four more numbers, right? That's how I felt. But... There was also a life lesson in that. The dash has started. What are you going to do with that time? What are you going to do with that time? What is God wanting to do in that season that you're there? They're in the desert. That's what, it's not about the numbers. That's the bookends of the book. But it's really in the desert. What does God want to do? And what will we do with the time that we have? It's only supposed to be a short time. You remember that. You get to Numbers 14, and 40 days turns into 40 years. And the older generation is not going to get to pass into the promised land because they're not trusting. They're not believing the promises of God. And so that's what Numbers is. It's basically the 38-plus years right before they get up to the edge of the promised land. That's where we are. What does God do and what's their response? So if you're following along in your notes and your bulletin, we're going to jump between those three passages and look at what, what does God do. First thing he does is God speaks. It's the very first words of this book. And he said. Some, books even, some people even titled this book that. And he said. Because throughout this book, you have God speaking. And he said. Um, I don't know that we fully grasp wilderness. It's not only are they on the run for their lives, and they know what's behind them, although at some point they want to go back, sadly. But it's a barren place. There's, there's nothing really there. That talk in Psalm 23 I've shared that before. There's not a lot of still waters. There's not a lot of green pastures. Um, but on top of that, in their mythology, and it exists even in Jesus' day, that's where scary things are, scary entities are. You don't want to be there. And how wonderful it is 
that in those scary places of life, God just keeps showing up, speaking and talking and reaching out, interacting when they need him the most, even when he's frustrated. Anybody ever had a friendship or a marriage where you get frustrated with them and you play that game, I'm not speaking to you game? Because you know that'll fix everything. If I do the I'm not speaking to you game, within a day, they'll come back fully repentant, fully reconciled. God doesn't play that. They rebel. He doesn't withdraw, take his ball and go home. But he shows up and he speaks. When they need encouragement, when they, we'll see this in a minute, when they need somebody to stand up for them, God shows up and he speaks. That phrase, the Lord spoke is found more in the book of Numbers than in any other book of the Bible. Yet somehow we miss this book somehow. He's speaking all the time. That's how all three of our passages started. And the Lord said, or the Lord spoke. The only book even close to that is is another book in the first five books of the Bible. Otherwise, this book doubles any other book in the Bible for that phrase, the Lord spoke. These people who are scared, these people who are in rebellion... God's speaking to them all the time. Wherever you are this morning, God wants to speak. That's who he is. It's what he will do. Whether it's just through the monotony of life in these first couple of chapters, setting up some camp rules, some Nazarite vows that we're about to look at, or whether you get to Numbers 12 and Aaron and Miriam, if you remember that showdown when they're whining about Moses, and he doesn't blast it to everybody, y'all three come with me. And God speaks to them. Whether it's in moments of need of correction or need of encouragement, God speaks. And listen, they need him to speak and to share some things. You get to number 16, and we saw this in Jude from last week. It's in Jude's epistle. Remember what happened to Korah and his rebellion? 250 people, literally, the earth just swallowed them up. And when you, if you had seen that, what would you shape up? If you had seen that, would you shape up? You know what Scripture says? The very next day, they began to grumble again. And it's just like God, even in that kind of, how in the world are you already there? And I've been there. Real repentance in my life, and then all of a sudden I find myself going right back. It's just like God to step in and still reach and to speak. We see that in our Savior, in the book of Hebrews, that he ever lives to make intercessions for us. We see it in the book of Romans chapter 8, where the Spirit prays things that you can't even, they're making, he's making groans we can't even understand in his prayers for us. Not to, to speak and to defend. And by the way, that's part of what, what God is doing for Moses, speaking up for Moses with Miriam and Aaron, so that when they rebel at Korah, Moses, having seen what God is like, He's the one who steps up and speaks because he knows God is frustrated with him. He's just disciplined him, and a day later they're already whining, and Moses says, it's just like you to speak. Can I stand in the gap for these people and speak to you, God? Please don't destroy them. It's just like God. It's just like God the Savior. It's just like God the Spirit to make intercessions, and we're gifted that ministry. Do you need to hear God speak or... Is there someone that God's placed in your life 
a coworker, a neighbor, a friend that needs you to stand in the gap and say a word. Lillian Skinner needed that. Lillian Skinner of Texas, maybe you saw it on the news just a few years ago, uh, was named to be part of the homecoming court at a school in Texas, which caught her off guard because she did not consider herself to be someone who would ever aspire to that, let alone would be somebody that they would select. She just felt awkward about who she was, but several people came up to her just gleefully celebrating the fact that she was on the homecoming court. And she was just really and pleasantly surprised at that, that her classmates would gift that to her. The problem was they hadn't. Several girls in that community thought it'd be cute to tell Lillian she was on the homecoming court when she wasn't. Imagine that one. How crushed she was. The principal had asked that Lillian come down and present the crown. Would you be willing to come and present the crown to the homecoming queen? And she did. I don't know how you do that after what had happened to her. But the reason the principal asked her to do that is because the girl who was crowned homecoming queen had told the principal ahead of time, if I win, as did her friend, too, who was also on the court, if we win, we're not taking that crown. We're going to give it to Lillian. Here's your homecoming queen, Jessica whatever. And she takes the mic and says, I'm not the homecoming queen today. I want everybody to see who is the homecoming queen. It's Lillian Skinner. And she crowned her right there. Stood up. Spoke for. Defended. God is our shield and our defender and our advocate. And when he does that work for us, we'll see as we close today, we've got to be about that ministry as well. Where is it that you're being called to stand in the gap? Moses did that for the people of God who rebelled over and over again. God had done that work, constantly speaking into their lives. And now you see Moses doing that same thing, standing in the gap and speaking for them. You need to hear a word today? It's in his word. He has spoken. As Father Wesley said, he's written it down in a book. He'll speak. But also, how is it you and I can take up that ministry of speaking for, advocating for? You can't miss that in numbers. Sweet words of truth. Sweet words of encouragement. Let's flip over to number six, one through four. Not only do we see that God speaks, but in chapter six, We see that God also, I know we talked about this six or eight weeks ago, God also separates. It's a clear theme throughout these first five books of Scripture and really throughout Scripture. God not only speaks constantly to his people, but throughout this book we're seeing him do a work of separation in and through his people. Chapter 5, if... If, if you're in sin, you have to be outside the camp until you're restored. Chapter 6, if you take a Nazarite vow, listen, you're not going to be able to drink any wine. Let's check that. Don't even drink any juice from the grape. Hang on, check that. Don't, don't even eat the grape. I was reading the scriptures over at the multipurpose room uh, before reading this. And when, and when you get to this point in scripture uh, in number 6, when it talks about the grapes... It says, you shall not eat uh, the grapes fresh or dried. 
but I put the word fresh with the word dried, and I said, don't eat any fried grapes. Everybody laughed, but then I thought about it. We're in Mississippi. Somebody's fried grapes before. We deep fry everything. God was saying a prophetic word right there through me. Don't even touch it. You're separate. It reminds us of what Paul says to the Ephesians chapter 5. Sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or any kind of greed must not be mentioned among you as is proper among the saints. Real separation. God can forgive, but when he's done that work, be ye separate. To be clear with your life. Same thing. You keep going. Numbers chapter 8. He separates the Levites from the sons of Israel for their work. Even Miriam, when she receives discipline in Numbers chapter 12, for seven days she's separate until she is recovered before she can be back. He's been clear throughout Numbers. Followers of God, chosen people of God, there ought to be a distinctness, if that's a word, a distinction in your life, a clarity in your life that you are not of this world. Then you get to Numbers 25. And if God's been clear about anything in the commandments, you shall not worship other gods, what do they do in 25? Be separate from the world, and they worship Baal. They joined with the world, and they joined with another god. They joined themselves to Baal of Peor and worshiped after other gods gods. Phineas in Numbers is a wild story. I know it's a graphic story, but basically one of the sons of Israel took one of those pagan women into a tent and Phineas took up a spear and in one thrust took care of both of them. Now that's a graphic and horrific story, but yet God comes alongside that and says, you know what? He's got my jealousy. His jealousy is my jealousy because he doesn't want my people joined with this world. And so it really is a gut check for us that we can not only please God with how we live, how we speak, how we love, how we forgive, how we carry ourselves, but what a gift to this world. When, when our lives are clear, when our, when our lives are separate. Now listen, you can't miss Scripture. We've got to be engaged in this world. That's the very heart of God. He sent His only begotten Son. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've got to reach this world. So if you, you sense any kind of, hey, we're going to just kind of back up until glory, that's not Scripture. Well, I'm just going to retreat because this world makes me uncomfortable. How can we miss the mandate to go and make disciples? We exist to make disciples. But as we do that, our words, our attitudes, and our lives have to be separate from this world. What a gift when you will do that. What a gift to this world when they bump into you and they, and they see something else. When they see they see Jesus. They see grace. They see forgiveness. They see holiness. They see patience. What a gift when you and I follow the call to separation. God speaks. God separates. And then flipping over to chapter 11, lastly, God shares. God shares. We all 
need each other, especially in this season, but every season we need it. Moses had already learned that from Jethro back in Exodus. He had already learned that when Aaron and her uh, 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 held up his arms during the battle when he was tired and, 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 and they were winning uh, when his arms were up. He already knew that, but it's just like the heart of God to share. A God who is jealous for his glory, rightly so, and yet he's so good to share of himself. And you see it here with Moses. That spirit I put on you, I'm not just going to give it to you. Get 70 elders, bring them together, and I'm going to give them part of that spirit so they can do that work. We're going to share this thing and do this thing uh, together. That's always been in the heart of God to share and to multiply his work among other people. Now listen, drop down to 27 and 29, and I'll let you read that later. It is just like me, and maybe it's just like you, to whine about that. God has done that work and is soon. By the way, when God comes, we receive from him what immediately happens to them. They begin to prophesy. When God does a work, it can't just be for me, but it's this work that's got to come out of me. The fruit of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, the following of the Spirit. But then there's some other people that start prophesying, and they're all excited about that. No. Joshua runs and tattles to Moses. Hey, even those guys are, are prophesying. And the same thing happens if you're reading in the book of Acts with us in the Bible reading plan. Same thing happens there. What about those guys? Those guys now are, are doing ministry. And Moses says what? I wish everybody would prophesy. What are you talking about? Isn't that what we all want to do? Is to let the glory of God pass to all people, that we can share this ministry together and all of us have a place in it. And you see that throughout uh, Numbers. Numbers 20, Aaron passes things on to Eleazar. 27, Moses passes on ministry to Joshua. We all share in that work together. I had a... um, it's always weird to go back to your high school. I don't know if you've done that, ever had the courage to go back to a reunion. But Friday night, my old high school, I always lived in Jackson, but when my dad became head football coach, the very first head football coach at Richland, lived in Jackson, but I, I, instead, I, I left Witten Junior High and went to, to that school with him. And uh, so they had an 80s reunion. And since my dad was the first football coach there and, and a celebrated coach, too, he took kids that were never part of the same schools and they threw them a bunch of players from different schools and he put them together in the very first year, had a winning season. So that was a, a really neat thing that he was able to do. So I took, he and I went back to that high school for that 80s homecoming. No, I did not wear parachute pants. Uh, but uh, we went to the homecoming. And got to see all of his old players. I just can't tell you how sweet that was. To have guys come up to him and to watch them talk about what he, he meant to them. Now this was back in the 80s, so they also mentioned a couple of times he might have paddled them. And he mentioned that. Uh, but to even hear a player say, I don't know if I'd have gotten through because of the investment you made in me. The way you passed things on to me. And I heard my dad share a story there. He was sharing it with that kid, and he said, you know, my daughter one time, uh, my, my sister's a, a professor at a college outside of Baltimore, and she teaches theater, and my dad got to watch her one time work with her students, and he just was so impressed by that, and he, and he told my sister, you know, I just, I want you to know 
how awesome you are at what you do, the way you interact, the way you invest, the way you give eye contact, on and on. And, uh, and my sister said, well, you know where I got that? He says, no. Remember when I was six and seven and eight and I had to sit through all those football practices out in the heat, listening to those guys cry and whine about sprints, and you know, and all that? I watched you. I just watched how you interacted with, with them. And now she's passing that on. Uh, what you see throughout the book of Numbers is the unselfish heart of God. He gifts the church. He gifts the sons of Israel, the Spirit, so they can be about his work. All of us have been given talents and giftings and passions and relationships so that you and I can bring people back to God through Jesus Christ. I love that picture of God in Numbers, this sharing. The sons of Israel want to whine about somebody else who's doing it, but it's just like God. It's the overflow of God when God's working for everybody to be caught up in prophesying and in the gifts and in the work and the sharing of their time and the sharing of their talents. It's a, it's a wonderful picture here. If you're in a time of struggle, a time where you need a word, just as we see in Numbers, over and over again, more than any other book, our God is a God who speaks. And Jessica Legrone and, and John Wesley have given us a great reminder. It's here. God has spoken, and, he, and he'll speak to you here in his word. He wants to speak with you. But also maybe, how is it you and I need to respond today where we know we've not stood in the gap? Just as Moses stood in the gap for the people of God and, and said a word, just as Jesus prays for us and the Spirit prays for us, how is it you and I need to, to speak and to stand in the gap and to do that work? We see here that, that God calls us people to be separate. As we look over our lives from this last couple of weeks and said, Lord, is there, is there an area in my life where, where I need to, to make sure I'm clear that I'm yours I'm in this world, but, but I'm not of this world. Where is that for you today? Also, God's a God who shares. Uh, you may not feel it. You may not sense that you're worthy of that. But God says, bring those people to me and let me pour out my spirit on them. And I'm going to set them free. And it's going to overflow into other people. How does God want to use you for his son's kingdom work? He'll do that. He'll do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you're a God who speaks, that we do not have to wonder what you want for us, for how you feel about us, for what you will do in and through us. Father, give us softened hearts and, and ears to hear whatever you would speak to us today through your word. Holy Spirit, if there are, there are moments this week where we need to speak, where we need to be clear about our faith, uh, to stand up for someone or to make sure our lives are clearly for the Lord, uh, would, you, would you share those things with us? Would you, would you call them to remembrance for us so that we can be found faithful in those things? And also, would you help us to receive that gift of ministry? We may not feel as though you could even do that through us, but we just see it time and time again that you're a God who shares. 
May we be found faithful in stepping out and receiving what you want to give to us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.